Are you doing this work to facilitate growth or to become famous? Which is more important, getting or letting go? Kelly Butler is a former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, but he also played in the NFL. Butler now works with indigenous children in Winnipeg. Playing for a purpose, works with young people, providing mentorship and creating opportunities. Kelly, as a black man and a former professional athlete, how are you feeling watching all of this unfold? Hey, Kelly. What's going on, Coach? How are you doing? I'm doing well. You? I'm doing well for the audience. Right now, I have Coach Sandy on. Uh, Coach, can you introduce yourself to our audience on The Push? This is the first time, this is my first guest for 2021. Yeah, absolutely. So, my name is Brent Sandy. Um, I'm an uh, um, economics teacher and varsity football coach in Hudsonville, Michigan. You know, I grew up in uh, Grand Rapids, and you know, um, I coach, I coach uh, varsity football, and I also coach um, wrestling. Uh, along with, uh, I'm, I'm the assistant varsity wrestling coach at Hudsonville, uh, along with teaching um, in advanced placement, macroeconomics class, and regular econ class. So, um, and, you know, I knew, uh, I knew uh, Kelly Butler back in uh, high school, went to Union High School in Grand Rapids. Coach, you um, got to know Kelly coach. at that time. Coach, that's a that's a lot right now for the audience right now. You 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 had a mouthful. That's a lot. That's a lot. Let's uh, mm-hmm. let's bring this back. So you're the head football coach at Hudsonville. Is it you said that? That's right. So how long have you been coaching football at Hudsonville? Because for 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 here, Hudsonville would be a class. What, what size school is that? So we're the largest class school in uh, Michigan. So we're Division One right now. So Class A. Um, I guess would be in you know in, in football, Michigan. We got the eight divisions, so we're we're Division One there. So I've been the varsity coach, the head varsity coach for three years. Uh, two years prior to that, I was a defensive coordinator, um, and for two years before that, I was an assistant coach there at Hudsonville. So I and I was the head head coach up in uh, Whitehall, which is by Muskegon, Michigan, for one year, and uh, before that, I was at Kenwood Hills and. And then before that, I uh, I coached at our alma mater at Union High School. Are you you have a, a quite extensive coaching career. Let's start from the beginning. What, what got you into coaching? It was my dad for the most part. My 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 pops was uh, he was he was my hero growing up. Uh, he had coached me in, in football, baseball, wrestling, everything like that. I uh, um, graduated high school and and was real close to to playing football in college, but it was. You know, I, I wasn't good enough to um, to get a scholarship, so it had to be a Division three school to play. Uh, um, so instead, my my dad and and um, our varsity coach uh, Scott Vanessen um, kind of said, "Hey, you can come coach with us." So I started coaching um, with my dad as an assistant freshman coach, and then just kind of move my way up from there. So, I, let's slow down here, coach, because you're running a two yep. minute two minute drill here, and, and my audience has got to catch up with you. So. <laughs> with all of this coaching experience, and you said you started with your dad, what was it that, mm-hmm. that you tried to instill as a head coach? Now we we see that you've earned the the, the right to be the head coach at uh, Hudsonville, but what was it the lessons that you try and instill right now, as far as from 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 your father to now as you being the head coach? That's a loaded question, there, KB. Um, you know, it's I, I just I got done um, picking my daughter up from swim swimming uh, practice up at the high school just, you know, hour ago. And I was talking to a mom of one of my players, uh, probably our best player, uh, best player on our team. will be a senior next year. And it was just talking to her about how awesome it's been, how far this kid has come as a young man. Uh, he's always been really athletic and a special talent, um, but just how much he's grown as a person. So, you know, it's about building young men, you know, um, Kids, you know, guys that are resilient, guys that are disciplined, guys that do the right thing, men of character, um, you know, and, and we kind of, we kind of believe wins and losses take and, care of himself. And, and, um, and you, 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 know, but, you said it there. You gotta, you gotta. The one thing that I'll teach you, coach, is you'll teach me is the pause. The audience wants to be able to digest what you just said. So the, <laughs> gotcha. the biggest thing is that you, 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 you articulated to me very well was building character and people in that experience. Yeah. And, and, and from my own personal experience, we're going to dive into some, some 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 topics today. So for the audience, we're going to talk about culture and football. We're going to talk about the difference between the American culture and the Canadian culture. We're also going to talk about, you know, Tom Brady, the mentality 
of Tom Brady and what that means. And then we're going to kind of go into politics. We're going to talk about Donald Trump and, and Black Lives Matter and mental health and coaching. So when, when Coach Sandy here has talked about his extensive coaching career, he's also been able to not really go into depth on our experience. Because when I came to when I came to Union, I was kicked out of the house and transitioning. And I think you were a senior at the time. And the one thing about Union was diversity and leadership. Yep. And, and I think what we learned, how can you, playing with a diverse group of people now and when we played together compared to now, I think you're in a rural area, has that made your coaching experience better by having a diverse group of teammates early in your career? Yeah, it's, it was awesome. Um, I wouldn't trade my education in Union for anything. You know, for the audience, just I, I've, I've listened to your podcast, Kelly. It's been awesome. And, and I'm a little bit behind. I don't know how much you talked about your, your early playing days, but I remember um, when you were a sophomore uh, coming there and, you know, you weren't, you weren't able to play with us my senior year, which I was bummed out about because you just transferred in. But I remember, you know, watching you run the hill, watching you work out with the team, knowing you couldn't play, but just like, man, you know, and then, and then of course you and my brother uh, played together and, you know, played on the same team and had some success, you know, that next year. But so it's just getting to know, you know, people like you with your background, getting to know, you know, just people from all different walks of life. I think it's really imperative because sometimes we see race because I'm a black man and you're a white man and we grew up like to remember the Titans because Coach Van Essen was, you know, yep. the combination of both coaches combined as one or he might have been the Denzel Washington and your father was, <laughs> I forget the other coach's name, but the idea of the buy-in was always there. I, I think that was really, we were going to be a team, um, we were going to do these things, and that was character building. You know, and I think that part, as I see culture now, and, and what you've been able to create, why is it that some schools are able to keep this moving forward? Because we had a great tradition at Union, and then I think they're building it back. How is that implemented into you now coaching in, in a rural community? Do you see you have more advantages coaching in a, in, a, in, a, in a community of Hudsonville compared to, you know, what, what, what some of our city league schools are like? Yeah, so I'm in a suburban, you know, or rural community in Hudsonville, and we're, we are not diverse, you know, uh, at all. You know, we're, we're, we're pretty much upper middle class uh, white kids um, in, our, in our school. And, you know, we will have, you know, we'll play um, schools that, you know, um, are, are primarily uh, minority. You know, we have, you know, some black kids and we have some Hispanic kids on our team. And it's neat for me to be able to talk to the guys and, and, and try to, from my lived experiences that, you know, our young men at Hudsonville maybe don't have the opportunity to have, to draw on some of those, some, some of those things that I went through. Um, and, and talk about how, man, sports are just such an awesome thing because it, it brings people together. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, your, your socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter your religion. It doesn't matter your race. You know, if you are, you're fighting for something bigger than you, you know, and, and while, you know, we are uh, primarily, you know, a suburban white school, um, we, uh, we do have, we do have black kids and we do have, you know, Hispanic kids and we do have Asian kids that, that are in the school and, and a few that are on the football team. I, I try to use my platform to make our young men aware um, of the diversity that's out there. What you're saying, coach, is I don't think it's a bad thing that you're, you're in a predominantly white school or somebody's in a predominantly black school. I think it's about allyship. And when I look at allyship yep. is understanding that being black and white, we were once on the same team and especially now because of the transition in what happened with, with Donald Trump um, being able to talk yep. about equality. How was that as a coach dealing with not the political, you know, that that environment of seeing somebody that's Caucasian and then being in a predominantly white environment saying that that's not how you were raised, but you have to deal with it as a coach. How did you handle that as a coach? You know, it, it's something I'll be honest with you that I'd, I'd like to dig deeper into as a coach. Um, it's something as an educator. Uh, I, I've spent quite a bit of time in my classroom. I, like I said, I teach social studies. So it's an opportunity. We have really open and honest dialogue in my classroom okay. uh, regarding politics and regarding, you know, the Trump phenomenon and what's happened since then and the craziness of the summer has been. And, 
in just giving young people an avenue, a place to talk, you know, and, and it's something in football. I think this last year was, was a hard football season here in Michigan. We had starts and stops and we had to forfeit a game because we had some kids test positive for COVID and, uh, it, it was it was difficult to unpack everything out there, but in the classroom, it's been a, a great place for for you know I have people that that come in with masks on that are Trump masks, and I have you know uh, Black Lives uh, Matter la- uh, mask on in my class, and to get and, those and, kids in the same room and, and hold, talking, hold that, and that's the thing that you said, talking. I mean, because I don't want it mm-hmm. to be misinterpreted that because you're a Trump fan, you're a bad person. Or because you're a right. Joe Biden fan, that's just like saying because you cheer for Michigan or Michigan State. Right. When certain coaches got into power, that power changed the person, which changed the platform and the infrastructure. So I think a lot of times people are persecuted for believing in that person and what he was going to do, and that person change personally on a large platform. So you see somebody having a mental breakdown or getting into a fight in the game. You're like, oh, here we go again. And we just saw that with Donald Trump. So I think as kids are able to have an open opinion, I kind of want to be able to dive more into this as far as how was it afterwards? Because now there's a lot of you're a bad person because you voted for Donald Trump or this. And I never I never want a young person to say, well, at this particular time, you know, this is how I felt. Are you seeing that? Or, or how is that interaction of people that supported him and now he's no longer there? Yeah. So I think the day after, I believe it was January 7th, which was the day after the, the Capitol riot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, I spent, I, I, you know, for a warm up, I had three questions on my whiteboard and we have 70 minute periods. And we sat down and we talked about what happened in DC for the whole hour. You know, we kind of stopped what we were doing and we said, hey, let's have a conversation. And, you know, I think all kids could come to an agreement, you know, whether whatever side of the aisle they're on, that uh, breaking windows and killing, you know, police officers and and breaking into the Capitol, that's wrong, you know. And then, and then, of course, what got brought up was, you know, some of the riots that were happening in the states during the summer um, of some of the, you know, BLM protests. And we could equivocate and say, okay, no matter what aisle you're on, these actions are wrong. And it, it doesn't make, you know, not all people that voted for Trump were breaking into the Capitol. And, and not all people that vote for Biden were, you know, burning down buildings or, or turn over cars and hold you know, on in those protests. And hold that one thought. And I think this is kind of like when we played a union, we weren't always treated fairly. You know, we always had to kind of play yep. against, you know, the Catholic centrals and the Christians and we carry that mentality. So I think sometimes mm-hmm. when you're in a rural community, especially a, a white community, when they see it from the other side saying, well, both people, black people and white people broke the law, but the law enforcement treated the white people that broke the law very differently than it treated the black people. Mm-hmm. And just being able to acknowledge that and saying, hey, well, this is something that's a reality that black people go through and you have an opportunity to now be aware of it and change it or not acknowledge it. You know, and that's a great, great point, Kelly, because I think even though we feel as society that, you know, there's there's racism out here and now and and, and there's these groups that have been brought to the forefront, I think, and I think those undercurrents have always been there, but I think there's a large segment of the white population that are now kind of standing up and saying, wait a minute, you know, when you, when you kneel on a a man's throat for over eight minutes and and take his life, that's wrong. And when all of a sudden we see some of these things that are going on, I think there's more people standing up and talking and all of a sudden that hierarchy and that that structure being challenged um, because, from from the white community and the black community. Exactly. It makes things hard for some people. Exactly, because you're not a racist being white. You're privileged to people's 
you know, mm-hmm. misabuse of power. But that doesn't, that means that you have to acknowledge it and be aware of it. And in the conversations that we had before, I reached out to you to have you on the podcast. And we have Coach Sandy here, who's from Hudsonville, um, childhood friend and now is the head coach. And we're talking about coaching in sports and dealing with, you know, 2021 and being able to say allyship right now. And, and I think the biggest thing that in acknowledging that there's a problem, it's also acknowledging that there's an opportunity for change. And when me and you were on the battlefield together, Coach Van Nessen, regardless what color he was, he treated us all equally. It wasn't like the black players got to run 20 hills and the white players got to run 25. (laughs) That that, that wasn't the case. And I think you as a head coach can teach leadership right now, especially to young white men that are going to be, you know, business owners and fathers and brothers and saying, how can we work together to rebuild uh, a country and a community? And, And you coming on the show saying that as much as I hate saying this, I don't see color outside of the football field, but I'm very, I'm not colorblind. You understand? As as football players, that makes sense. Between the lines, you're my competitor, you're my brother. Um, And as soon as we step off the field and go outside of the locker room, then we have to be able to play by a whole other set of rules. And we're like, man, we're on teams, but now our teams are going to be put put against each other. Yeah, you know, and and by some people they are put against each other, you know, and but I I do think I do think that the the first step to reconciling some of these things is is an awareness, mm-hmm. and I think that awareness is happening, um, and it's it's happening in communities that in the past would never have talked about these things, like Hudsonville, you know, which is a very conservative, you know, urban, and, and it's a great community. And I love the people I I work with that I teach and. And they're great people. Um, and it's just, you know, some, some people have a difficult time with changing that structure. And, 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 and like I said, they're good people. It's just, hey, let's, let's be aware that no, things no, are different. You no, know, that, no, no, you you're, know, you're in a great situation because your socioeconomical environment of being suburban and middle to upper class and having disposable income and understanding charitable donations. If it makes sense. Mm-hmm to the community to reinvest in a community that is underprivileged because of things that were pre-existing. Communities at large want to give back. You know, Michigan is one of the most charitable, you know, states in of all of all of our states. So when we are able to come together and working together with Coach Sandy and Coach Butler, we can utilize what we did as teammates to give back to our community. So you have the resources and the manpower to be able to have some of the things that we're going to talk about as we start bringing this up as far as some initiatives. And then with those initiatives, it brings a certain level of credibility and it brings a certain level of class that allows for us to utilize those resources to give back to other programs that need to rebuild. And then in time, we can all catch up and all feel good about it working together. So I'm really excited to be able to work with your program. I'm really excited to be able to speak at your program. I'm really excited to hear what kids are saying because that's that's what it is. You've opened it up to make it safe for kids to talk. And I think that's where... Before in coaching, we were always coached, but we were never we were made to listen, but we were never able to be really yep. heard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's 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 a great point too. I mean, I have a I have a leadership council that we meet every Wednesday. Um, you know, I, I take my lunch period and I meet with a group of about dozen kids, and and we talk and and I listen to the kids, and it's about kind of growing our culture from the inside and. And, and it's, it's, I'll be honest, it's difficult to get into those conversations of race. It's, it's things that, you know, are, are uncomfortable for people. Um, but it's things that, that need to happen, that, that, that need to, that people need to be aware that, hey, not everybody grew up with, with two parents in the house. Not everybody grew up with, you know, mom and dad with college education that, that can pay for their school and not everybody grew up, you know, and, but, but and what you, what you're black, saying, white, or indifferent. But what we're doing is we're diving into the details right now, uh, Brent, as far as mental health and mental toughness is very different. Where you look at a 4-3 defense and a 5-2 defense, those are both defenses, but the, 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 yep. how we break it down is like, well, that's just a defense. Well, hmm. Now we're dealing with mental health because a lot of those things we never really labeled properly. So now when we put the pressure on these young kids and all these new things, now we have to really dive in and say, well, what is mental health? Because now, because it's such a, uh, it's in your face. Now we're like, well, how do we deal with this new defense that's always been around? 
And I think that's the ability to slow down and say, what does mental health mean to you? Because we keep saying that we all have these things. We're like, well, that's mentally challenging to deal with COVID because we didn't talk much about that. Black Lives Matter. Um, Also not having sports and the pressure to perform as a kid. Could you imagine if me and you were kids and this was going on, how we would be? Oh, my goodness. Yep. Yep. No, it's, I tell you, we, so, you know, speaking of COVID, we had um, our, our first playoff game this year. Okay. The week before that, we had a kid test positive, and so we had to forfeit uh, one of our, our big rivals. And we got our team back on, um, let's say, on Saturday was the first day we could practice. And so we were able to schedule our game for a Saturday afternoon. We practiced Saturday morning. Um, first time I could see our kids, we got to practice one morning and then play a game that afternoon uh, against East Kentwood High School. And just to see those kids, like, man, I, you know, I probably wasn't supposed to, but I gave every kid a hug and told them I loved them. And, you know, it was, it was hard because, you know, you, you took things for granted. You know, this year taught me perspective. And it was just like, oh, you'll get next game or you'll get next year. And until all of a sudden you didn't, you know, you, we, we couldn't play a game. Hold that, hold, that hold that for a second because I think now, and I don't really like to make anything about myself. I make it like make it relatable. When I said you're my brother, because I didn't have teammates. I mean, I didn't have my mother and father. And, and it sounds yeah. cliche until you lose your father as you lost your father. And you're like, man, think about yeah. that from the beginning and you have something taken away. So football yeah. was memories that were created. And like that bond is what kept me motivated. And now when you see the the mental challenge of having something taken away, I can relate mm-hmm. to that. I can relate to something that yeah. you'll never get back. And those moments, I'm like, man, you still have your brothers. So that's the thing I look at it yep. with, with allyship and, and, and this, this thing called football. It, it's family. Because over the course of he, over the years, me and you have grown and we've gone back and forth. But in this moment, we're like, man, our family is moving in the right direction. And I think that's the biggest thing is when yep. you get involved in sports, see it for what it is, family. Don't, 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 don't get caught up in the window dressing. Don't get caught up in the N's or the C's or the NFL's or the CFL's or all these things. Remember the F part, family for life. I think that's important. Yeah. You know, it's, I had uh, each senior gave a senior speech before the season and I, I had the kids have one word that described how to move football, you know, in their speech and amongst other things. And uh, probably 80% of the kids, that word was family. And it was cool because, you know, like our relationship to this day, I mean, you know, we're, we're both old men by now, you know, KB. <laughs> it's like, hey, you know, to, to get a chance to talk to you and, and you know, our relationships stem from, from athletics. You know, I remember you just a young kid running those hills at Union High School, just grinding, you know, and, and then getting a chance to go to, you know, some of your games. I went to a game in Cleveland, went to a game in Detroit, you know, watching you play and just being so proud, like, hey, man, I knew that kid. You know, that, that guy's awesome, you know, and, 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 and through Purdue, and in that course of, of life and hey, the, the twist and turns, but you, you know, those hear, relationships last. But you want to hear something? And this is the part for all of the athletes that are going to probably listen to this. Your team is what made it special is I felt like a failure after football. The thing that I need mm. to tell all your athletes is as you're building mm. this dream towards sports, always make sure there's a backup plan in place because you might get injured. Yeah. Don't put your identity into the sport. Allow yourself to be identified as somebody that's doing something they love. And you can love a lot of things. And I think that was the biggest challenge is I kept elevating up. It it didn't seem like it was pressure because it felt easy to perform on the football field. It just became mentally challenging when the defenses became more complex. And then when it was gone, I didn't have an identity. And I think, yeah. when, and then I think, when you lost high school football, you lost your identity and got to get into coaching. And I yeah. think that's the biggest yeah. thing that, as athletes, as motivators, we have to make sure that we realize that this is just a prop to help these kids perform in life. The sport is yeah. just the prop. Being able to have them develop the tools is important because that was the thing I realized is family. Coach Van Essen developed family bond and in, in building that, and I think that's what I can fall back on because my mental health has been challenging because of sports, but my 
ability to rebound has been able to be really on point because of the family environment that the culture that Coach Van Essen has created. And it sounds like you've done an amazing job doing this in Hudsonville. And that's that's imp- that's impressive. So I, I, I'm very I'm very impressed by the things that I'm hearing and the things that you're doing. So your actions are speaking louder than your words. Well, you know, and, and it means a lot when when you say something regarding about you know sports not not defining you and heaven because you know you you climb to that mountaintop you you've done you you know, you've done those things and, and you know you've done something that very 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 few people are ever going to do it and making it to the hey, league. Stop and, stop stop that for one football. stop that for one second. We did yeah. this. Like I think that's the biggest thing. Is like. <laughs> Like, yeah. I don't want to be somebody from Grand Rapids that makes it about I. We know there's somebody in Grand right. Rapids no. that confuses his vowels with his E's and his O's and makes it about himself. <laughs> and I ain't trying to take a shot at him, yep. but that's yep. an individual sport. And everybody knows that yep. he's yep. individually based on himself. And then we, in the football community and in the Grand Rapids community of giving back, we were on the map. We did the free football camp. We went together. So we made it. It wasn't when you said I went to a couple different games, your family did. So we were able to see the benefits of how we were. And then when, for whatever reason I was released from the lions, I don't want to really go into that. There was a certain level of people in grand rapids that stopped cheering for the lions. And then I come back 10 years later, like, Oh, I cheer for green Bay. It was like, what happens? Like when, after they cut you KB, we stopped messing with them. I'm like, man, I love it. And I, and I respect that. And I've always (laughs) loved grand rapids. And I think the one thing that I made a mistake at coach is education. You know, the Mm. thing that you, underperformed that you overachieved so you were undersized and didn't get to get the scholarships that that I got sure. but then I had the talent to to jump over to go to the NFL and forgot the understanding of education so when you put yourself in that environment you have to perform and then as you start performing you start missing you start becoming detached from the bigger picture as you're a student athlete as when I stopped being an athlete I was an incomplete student, so I have a lot of respect for you doing the grinding to get your degree, to climb and say all those things that you said earlier on, saying that's success, that's sustainability, is the education part, because you can always get injured, but you can always have an education to back up, but if I got, when I got injured, I didn't have the education, so that's when the mental health came in, so I really wanna reemphasize education is really important regardless how talented you are on the field. You know, and, and that's the truth of it. You know, I, I when I started college, I, I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be rich and, and do all this stuff, this, that, and the other. And, and my first year coaching, um, I just, I, you know, and it was my dad and it was, it was Coach Vanessen and, you know, getting to, you know, be on the sideline during, you know, some of your games and, and, and helping, you know, coach the freshman and JV teams, you know, when you were playing. But um, but seeing the impact that coaches can have on people, um, you know, and seeing, you know, how many lives Scott Vanessa touched and, you know, people like my dad. And then, you know, it, it didn't take me long, you know, once I got the whistle around my neck to say, you know what, I want to I want to do this for a living. And if I can impact, you know, we've got about about 50 some kids on our varsity football team at Hudsonville, about you know 120 kids in our program. Um, so if I can impact those kids and now as an educator to impact the, the, you know, over a hundred kids I have each trimester that goes through our hallways, you know, if I can influence them a little bit, then I feel like I'm doing something, which is, I'm so proud of, you know, the stuff you're doing right now, Kelly, and, and giving back to society. Um, and, and quite frankly, and I know your audience knows that you haven't always had the most, <laughs> the most fair shake at things, you know, in your life. And, and yet to, you know, that you've done and, and you're, you know, um, nonprofits and everything you set up to say, Hey, you know, with what I've done, I want to, I want to give back to people. And, you know, I, I think that's what life's about, man. And, and, and you, you said the best is like, we, we have this idea of a plan to be a lawyer or to be an NFL star. And then after you realize that the people yep. that were able to come along and experience it, that's all that really matters. And then when it's no yep. longer serves a purpose, you want to still be around those people. And you you talked about the nonprofits because when I was able to come to Union, I was able to become part of that family. 
and, and now that you've been able to create and, and lead as the head coach of Hudsonville, um, we want to do some things together. So my charity playing for a purpose and Hudsonville, we, we've talked about a couple things. So, so for everybody that's being brought up to speed, um, it is Black History Month and the, the charitable organization playing for a purpose has bought books, um, $25,000 worth of books that's going to be donated throughout Grand Rapids Public Schools and Lansing Public Schools. And also a portion of those books is going to go to Hudsonville with Coach Sandy and he's going to distribute them throughout some of your feeder programs as far as diversity with Black Lives Matter. So big round of applause to you first and foremost, Coach. Thank you for this. <laughs> no, I appreciate Love that. It. No, Love no, it. no, I appreciate that because when you start introducing that, that's the beginning of the education part. Um, the second part that we had talked about is saying that we want to have a charity game because my father passed away from bone cancer. I know your father passed away. Uh, my mother, uh, my mother had MS and was violently shot. I feel like we can do two things at once and be able to have a great outcome. So we want to have a charity game, which the organization, my foundation, is going to donate jerseys to to Hudsonville. And then to whoever the team that we're able to do are going to donate jerseys. And then we're going to have that game. And then proceeds, a portion of it's going to go back to inner city sports in Grand Rapids. And then a portion is going to go back to the charity of it, depending on what we want to deal with as far as might be cancer, might be MS. And we, we kind of work through that throughout the year. So we've, we're, temp, we, we're in place to with COVID and health safeties for September 2021. When the season starts, we should have a charity game in place um, and those proceeds will give back to the community and we're just going to keep building together. And I think a lot of that comes from you, Coach, because these are the ideas that we both had that we just got to be able to start talking about, you know, a few hours ago. Yeah, that's right. I mean, things things are happening fast and it's fun, you know, and, and we're just, you know, we just want to be agents to change, you know, and there's so many things and, you know, it's like, Hey, but it, it starts with, it starts with one person. It starts with one idea. And, and like you said, when you're that family in place of, of guys that have, you know, sweat together and bled together and, and work together and, and you just take that, you know, one step at a time, you know, I think, I think we can do a lot. I think we can. And, and talk about blood, sweat and tears. Let's segue into sports. So we have a yep. few, we have three quarterbacks. And how would you rate them? Would you rate Matt Stafford, Jared Goff, and Tom Brady? Who would you say is the best out of those three quarterbacks? I mean, it's got to be the GOAT, right? I mean, Tom Brady, all he does is win. But, I I mean, I love the lines. And my boy Matthew Stafford, like, you know, you probably know him a little better than I do. But, man, that dude – what he's done for, for the city of Detroit. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to get into the upper management of Detroit Lions football or anything else, but, um, but what that guy's been through and the blood, sweat and tears for us. So, I mean, I've got to go, I got to go Brady one, Stafford two and golf three. Um, I'm excited for the Lions with the trade they made. I mean, I think, you know, um, I'll hold you. Able I'll, to, hold, hold on for one second. I'm going to say all the things that yeah, Lions yeah, yeah. fans, the Lions organization, the, the inability to, to actually put management in the right place makes me question how well they run their other business. Because you have a multi-billion dollar business with Ford, the, the Ford company. Mm -hmm. So how are you looking at a product in an organization that makes billions of dollars? And then you come over here as your nonprofit organization up until 2015, and you have had the longest tenure of new coaches, and it's almost a career killer there. So it's not, so whatever they're doing internally, it's not working because players like it's just a bad environment. I look at Tom Brady and say, well, he was a six round draft pick. He was the lowest draft pick out of those three quarterbacks. Second of all, he went to an organization, was able to build and redefine history and then go to another organization and was redefining that. Then you look at the same thing. Then you look at Matt Stafford that redefined history at Georgia and came here and got his career redefined as just an average quarterback in an underperforming organization. Jared Goff, he was average to begin with. And I'm not a big fan of Scott McVay. I'm not a fan of him. So his offense seemed gimmicky. He had one good season, then golf went back to being golf. And I'm not excited that an average Joey Harrington quarterback is coming back. And I played for, I, I, I blocked for Joey. And that's why I'm no longer with the Lions because Joey wasn't a good quarterback. And I feel like this is our new Joey Harrington 2021. I'm sorry for Lions fans. 
don't get excited to go get playoffs tickets anytime soon. Um, so if that's what you wanted to say, I said it for you. So I wanted to make sure you kept your job as the head coach at Hudsonville. And I was able to articulate how well the organization that the, the lines are so bad that the Browns look like a better color than blue. When Brown looks better than blue, it's like I wipe my ass and shit, it turned Brown. Oh, that's a good color there. Like I just want to work. No, that's how it is. I played for the Cleveland Browns and they were awful. You know, so I was like playing for two historically awful teams and then saying that the reason why the Browns were awful is because management transitioned and took them to the Baltimore Ravens. They had to rebuild. And then when they got the right pieces in place, they've done extremely well. They got the right quarterback with Baker Mayfield. They've done right with those with the management. How is it that we mess up so many times with the Lions? Can we can can we just talk uh, football as far as take your hat off as a head coach? You're just Brent Sandys, a guy, or you can be like an anonymous a fan. How are the Lions so bad? Oh, it it hurts. It hurts like each year, you know. And you want to you want to root for them. And you know what was nice, KB, was when you were playing because. I just got. I just watched you, you know. So it was like I did you well. were freaking blocking. You were setting your edge, and you were blocking. <laughs> so if they're winner, they, I didn't give. I didn't give a shit if they're winner or losing at that point. I was just cheering on you, and that was nice. Now when you're not there, I'm like, all right, whatever, you know. Well, and, and what it makes it nice to be, to be honest with you, as a high school football coach, is I, the games are on, but I'm on, I'm on um, film, and I'm breaking down huddle and. What, what can I the next week's opponent and and if you know if I was a Green Bay fan or something like that it'd be hard because I'd want to watch the games more you know and I wouldn't be able to put as much time to high school football as I do but, so but I guess it is a blessing in disguise for me I gotta ask you as like a as a fan you're a fan now. you're not a coach so you can't get in trouble um, you were able to take your program and and, and do well why is it that you see as a fan watching an organization saying, well, what are they doing wrong As a, from a fan's perspective? You're not a coach right now. You're just a fan. What do you think it is that this organization keeps doing it wrong from your fan perspective? Not a coach, just a fan. I don't want you to get in trouble as a coach. You're a fan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's like you said, though, it's management. You know, you've got guys like Jim Caldwell. He's a great guy. And I think he's a, you know, I, I, like, I felt like when they were starting to do okay with him, it's like, oh, he's not good enough. We're going to move on. Patricia and then you know and it's like to keep changing the culture year after year after year there but in essence that hidden culture that runs the whole organization you know is the Ford family like you, you said you, you and, just, and, and that's the undercurrent of what's going on the Ford family and I don't like to be this way I don't want to be this way history be a historian. Look yeah. at the Ford family. Look at what happened in World War II. Look at what they did with the tanks. Look at this institution. Look at that man. And as as a person, you're like, man, as you get older, you're like, hmm, man, you, you your ideas of what good business is, that works because it works for you. You ever look at the disability mm-hmm. and say, why is it that, you know, the factory warranty is 60,000 kilometers and another warranty is 90,000 kilometers and then the average NFL mm-hmm. player is 2.5 and their pension is at four years to be vested? The Fords came up with the disability plan. They, they came up with the shortest. The average career is 2.5. So a lot of the things that they do is a money-saving situation. I feel like the Fords is don't care about losing money and ownership is like, I just would rather lose money. And I think they're willing to lose money because they make so much money other places. I think they, other yeah. like when, when I've been around certain people that have made the money that they have, it's just like when you think they're losing, they're actually winning because they're writing it off as a loss. So if the Ford organization mm-hmm. is losing money and then the fans are mad, like I don't care that we lost $50 million or $500 million. We made 5 billion because, and I think that's one of those things is that when you look at business management, you're not intentionally putting a defective product out there unless you have a bigger alternative. That's like the Fords putting out a defective car and knowing and saying, well, we'll just wait to get caught and get caught. And I think they've done that a couple of times, actually. I know Volkswagen did that. Right. But you, you have to ask yourself, the question is like, are you doing this on purpose? <laughs> you're getting a conspiracy theory right now, but man, I, I, it's hard to, it's hard to deny that. I mean, I, I remember as a kid growing up and watching Chris Spielman and Barry Sanders and like the glory days and, and winning a playoff game, you know, but then, Oh, it's been a hard grind for us, man. Especially no. now you, know, you see Cleveland do it. They're doing it. Cleveland. And it's like, okay, come on, you man. know, but coach, it's, it's still coach, management. coach, they, do, they gotta be doing this on purpose. Like you gotta think about every team has done oh. better. Like, like look at Kansas, <laughs> like, like Kansas city, look at Miami dolphins. You're like, oh. you're like, 
I, I don't even know. Like, like, like Deshaun Watson, you're like, the Houston does it on purpose, but they go to the playoffs. Like the Ford organization, they don't have cheerleaders right. for a reason. And like, there was a reason that like, they did. They, they, and it was like, like, it, like Mrs. Mrs. Ford didn't want cheerleaders. And we're like, all right. And I remember like, they own the team. It's not like a community owned team. It's like, we don't want these things. Right. You understand that Quentin Jammer was supposed to come to the Lions, but the Lions, like the coaching staff wanted Quentin Jammer, but the organization wanted Joey Harrington. Who went to the Lions? 100%. Dude. Oh, man. And, and, and you got to think about you this. You just got to let the people hire them and let them run it. You got to hire people and let them run it and make the decision. That's the, like basically the Fords are the version of the Oakland Raiders. So when you had um, Al Davis, he did what Al Davis wanted to do until yep. he passed away. And then, you know, I think they sold the team, but the Fords are not going to sell the Detroit Lions. They're just not going to do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's the Detroit Lions. So I don't know if like Mrs. Ford is running the team, but whoever's running the team, they don't care because they're not going to change this because oh. did you just see the draft? Like who got the worst end of that deal? The Lions or I don't even know where Matt Stafford went. I mean, he went to the Rams. So who got a better trade here? The you understand? I like. I do. I like. I like the Lions on the trade, KB. Like I tell you, they got what two first round draft picks and the third round pick. You know, like they've got. You know, if a, if I, mean, a, I love Stafford. If a blind dog, if a blind donkey kicks a mule in his head, what happens? He just kicks himself in the face. I don't necessarily think they're going to go out there and do fuck all with these two picks. To be honest with you, it's like, oh well, I'm going to throw at my eyes. You're like, <laughs> they'll pick a kicker, and uh, you know, we're going to go with a long snapper this year. What the fuck did the Lions just do? Yeah, we picked a first round long snapper. I'm like, because mule box was with the long snapper. They'll do some fucked up ass shit, and they'll give it away, or they'll just. It's just not a smart pick. Like, like you got to think about it. If you could keep your best player right now for a couple more years, or you could just say, hey, this freshman coming in, I don't know if he eats his booger still. You know, like, you understand? Like, you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> this is a 21-year-old child that's picking boogers that you just decided to give $20 million to. Like, yep, I guess he's going to run my organization. Yep. <laughs> you know what? But but I'll tell you what, man. I'm, I'm I want to hit the reset button, and try over. But but you're right. It's it's ownership, though. I mean, it's like, man, if somebody else, if if Illich or somebody like that came in and ran the show, it's like, okay, hey, we we could try this, or you know. But it's the Fords and think about this from a perspective. It is what it is, man. Because we got a segue in here. There's certain coaches that wouldn't yep. even go to the Ford organization. Because they know they're right. not going to have the ability to do what they want to. So now when you think about this organization, Tampa Bay and Kansas City, and then we're going to get out of here because we're, we're running right where we need to be on time. Who are you taking? You're taking Kansas City? You're taking Tampa Bay in the, in the Super Bowl? Like I love Patrick Mahomes, that dude. Like I love that guy. Here we go. Like, this is this is what white people always say. With all due respect, you about to say the most rude shit ever. Here we go. So right here, I do love Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> but <laughs> no, I I love Patrick Mahomes. I love Tyreek Hill. Like what 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 freaking KC can do offensively. Like I will. The only thing I'll say the butt part is it's so hard to root against. Like not to root against, but to take against Tom Brady because they always win. I'm gonna go with the Chiefs just because that's my team. And I love, I love the Chiefs, but um, Travis Kelsey, like when you have him and, and Hill and, and then and Patrick Holmes just ad lib and stuff. Um, but it's you know, All right, hold on. I, I would have said the Chiefs would blow them out, but I'm gonna give but you. I, I would never have thought Tampa would make it this far, dude. I'm gonna give you 20 more seconds, and I'm gonna tear your ass up, coach. So you're going with Kansas City, like you 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 got like 15 more seconds to add to this Kansas City why they're gonna win. I'm gonna have a rebuttal in a couple seconds here. Anything KC's going to win. Go okay. ahead. You go. Do your thing. So now, first and foremost, you got to look at um, Tyreek Hill. Antonio Brown dummies him. He's just ready to go. So he's got something to prove. So Antonio Brown is going to have a killer game. And Kelsey, okay. man, you already know who the OG is at. That's old Gronk. That's old Gronk, Gronk, Gronk. So Gronk going to go out there and do his stuff. Oh, he's old. He's old. I got, I got a question. If you can if you can bring your old ass out of retirement for one more game to to, to play in this game, Gronk might knock himself out. You might really we we might see a real any any given Sunday, and you see Tom Brady just jump over there and just turn into like dust, and then the game's over, and Tom Brady's like the greatest of all time. The game zero, and he just he just turns into like the stadium. Like you see Tom Brady turn into like a dove, like Prince or some shit. Like like the, the football gods. In life, 
because Tom Brady's just a winner. I don't know if like what happened in Tom Brady's yep. other life, if that's actually God. I don't know if Jesus has said, you know what? I'm going to come back as Tom Brady this time. And if anybody has a problem with it, I'm going to come back as a puck in the air as a pirate now. So now Tom Brady's like a pirate Jesus because he's going to win the Super Bowl because guess what? Baby Jesus, Tom Brady, he wins because the football gods are not going to let Tom Brady go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come this far to lose. It just doesn't happen because remember when Ray Lewis did this stuff, he got to go out there and win. Yep. Tom Brady gets to win. And remember that guy that was not like a really good quarterback, but he was better than his brother? Eli Manning did this. So everybody understands that hey, today, yeah. today, guys, we might not be great for the rest of our lives. We might suck for the rest of our life. Yeah, we, might have, we might have mental health issues like Kelly Butler does. You know what Kelly Butler doesn't have? <laughs> he has 10 fingers but no rings. You know what some of these guys do have? They got fingers. And I'm there, you know what? Your fingers going to look like, you know, burnt curly fries in 15 years. But you can put a ring on that and screw it around there. And Tom Brady seems to have the ability to have six rings on his other fingers. I'm, not, I'm willing to bet that this team in this position says, Tom, we're going to die for you today. You know, it's like, you know, when he yeah. says, Tom, whatever you say, Tom, we're not losing this game. Because you just got to look at Tom like, hey, uh, you just be like, hey, um, we're not losing for Tom today. I'm sorry. Like, you know, young buck, Andy, we're not losing for Tom. I can't. You know, Tom just doesn't lose. He does not lose in this game. Like, if his mother has a cold, she's winning. If his brother has something, whatever it takes for Tom Brady to go out there and say, he goes into the, like, he came back from down 24, man, to beat Atlanta, okay? And then that was for his mother. And then he's really been mad at Roger Goodell for this whole deflate gate thing. I think Roger Goodell is still the commissioner. So I think every time Tom Brady does this, it's like a big... It's the opposite of a deflate gate. It's that finger that people have on their finger. He gives that to Roger Goodell because Tom Brady has nothing to prove here, but he's still a competitor, in my opinion. Yep. 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 No, he, I, I, like I said, that's the only thing. It's just the, the it factor with Tom Brady. But, I mean, the Chiefs are a better team, but, but you know, Tampa's got Tom Brady, which that's hard, man. It's and hard, that, but I like the Chiefs. I, I like my team. And the thing about it is let's tie this up with a bow. You have great organizations and great belief systems. Because if me and you were to be yep. betting men right now and say, hey, yep. would Tom Brady be doing the things he did? Probably not. We Nobody would see that. Would people say Kelly Butler would not? But there's something about that resilience, that culture. you know. And I think that's what the kids need to understand. It's not the Tom Brady that we saw. People don't really know the Tom Brady story. Like, he wasn't supposed to even go to the NFL. You know, Drew Henson left right. early to go play football for the Yankees, right. and he got to start one year. Up. And it's like, make your opportunity now and always be prepared. And I think the Tom Brady thing is like, I tried to microwave success. Tom Brady was willing to go out there and just, mm. you know, just take mm. his time to make a masterpiece. And I think that's the difference. If you're willing to put the time in, you know, that's what it is. And I think that for me, you put the time in because early in the, in the podcast, you had talked in great depth about all those coaching places you placed. I was like, slow down, coach. The, the audience needs to hear right. that. But now your success makes sense because you didn't microwave it. You didn't jump the gun and jump over people. You earned that position. How, how has your records been the last three years at, at, at Hudsonville? You know, that's, to, to back that up a little bit, that's a great point because I've worked with young coaches that, you know, want that instant success. And, you know, they think because they did, you know, that they, hey, they, they need to be this or they need to be that. They need this title or that title. And it's like, work hard, do the right things, and, and opportunities will present themselves. And when hey, they do, coach, can I take advantage of Can I? I'm, I'm not going to necessarily name names because me and you grew up the same way. And being white and being black, sometimes being white in Grand Rapids is a disadvantage. And sometimes being black yeah. in Grand Rapids is because certain superintendents at certain times necessarily didn't always favor the black community. And it definitely didn't favor the white community. So with that being said, a lot of times when you should have had a job or positions that you necessarily tried to apply for, people in the athletic department that were minorities held you back because you were white. 
You know, and I think sometimes for if you were to say that out loud, it looks very hypocritical. But for me to see it on the back end, I'm like, man, hold on, man. This guy should have had more opportunities. So sometimes when I look at what you were able to overcome and still be in this position, it's like the job that you didn't get is not the job that you were supposed to have. And you have to understand that. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't, um, I have no ground to talk about being held back because of the color of my skin compared to what other people have gone through I, you know, I, in, in I, that I, regard. I appreciate you saying that. But, but I, I think it's sometimes people to say, well, look at Brent Sandy as being white and had it easy. He went to union. Yep. He, he was able to do these things. Yep. He was able to overcome these things. And, and none of those things, you know, you know, held him back. And I'm like, that's not the narrative. Yeah. He had, to, he had to really grind it out. He had to really do these things, yep. and there was challenges. And I, I never want, if somebody had it easy, I would say somebody had it easy, but that's not the case with you. Yeah. And and, yep. and your your players, you, you're too humble to tell that part of the podcast, and that's why I say, I can say that, saying that he's had to overcome some adversity as players will never know about, because there's not a lot of people that are Caucasian in Hudsonville speaking about Black Lives Matter, talking about equality, and being able to open that, that comes from somebody being able to overcome diversity and dealing with some certain things being white. So I think that needs to be a reality that we all deal with adversity, but there's a way that we can do it better in the future. So I have to make sure that you get your kudos because you ain't going to give them to yourself. Uh, no, I, I appreciate that, um, Kelly. But, you know, as far as our, as our program goes, you know, last year we wound up, uh, geez, what were we, 4-2 in the, in the regular season and we lost our second round in the playoffs. Um, the, the year before that, we uh, we won the district title um, and made it to the state quarterfinals, uh, where we lost to uh, Brighton, um, who wound up taking second in the state. They they uh, won the next game and, and made it to the state finals there. Um, and then the year before that, we lost out in the district finals in my three years there. So you know we've been in the playoffs, we've been competitive um, each year. Um, you know, and, and, and played some good football. We've had some, some good kids go through our program, um, had some success and, and, you know, we're, we're really kind of trying to build it from the ground up. And I got a great group of guys that coach with me, um, in, in great families and kids that, that work their tails off, um, you know, to, to make Hudson football what it is right now. And, and to the moms, and to the wives, can you can you attest to that? Because that was one of the biggest things that I realized at Union. Your mother was a huge, you know, role model into that whole family. And I think I ate at your house more than I ate at other people's houses and was in your refrigerator more than I should have been. And same with, you know, Miss uh, Miss Sikowski and that whole group of parents. Is that same kind of culture going out where uh, big offensive linemen and people are in, in, in moms and aunts' refrigerators? Are you still carrying that tradition going out in Hudsonville? Oh, for sure. Our, our, our moms are great. I mean, I do a thing, Kelly, um, this last year we couldn't do it with COVID. Right, but right. We, we call gals on the gridiron. Okay. And we, we invite all the moms, um, to come and they do a, we, we feed them a little dinner and, and they do an evening where they go through, um, their kids, um, position. So, you know, um, for me, I played offensive line like you and, so if Marta Sandy would have been there, she would have gone through offensive line drills with our old line coach and, and then, you know, went over to defense and do, you know, outside linebacker drills and, and, and then meet and, and get to know the coaches and just our way of, you know, saying, Hey, you know, these are the guys that, that, that work with your sons, you know, the coaches here, are some of the things that they're being taught. Um, thanks for what you do, you know, cause we ask a lot out of you, you know, they, they make us, um, dinners on Thursday nights. They, uh, they, they give us, you know, uh, food and, and drinks um, as we board the buses a lot of times. Um, and just, you know, waking up early. I got our freshmen, we lift at 6.30 in the morning, and our freshmen can't drive, so a lot of times their moms are driving them to school and, you know, just uh, to hit a weightlifting session. So, hey, hey, hold on. You know, they, they hold on. Safe, hold on. Like, amazing to you in the structure, but, man, to your moms, just hold on for a sec. Like, like... Like, like, I gotta, I gotta let them just hear this round of applause because I almost caught a tear and a goosebump because that's the family part, you know. And, and for me, not yep. having my mom never saw me play football. The, the, the irony yep. of all this, and you know what you're doing is you're creating culture. And, and I'm humbled to say, like, I played 
with that guy. I, I got to call that guy a friend, and, and, and it's, it's much cooler to say that you're the head coach of Hudsonville than I'm a former Detroit Lion. And I say that because the culture that you've been able to create in that community, hearing about the moms, hearing about the kids, we, we, we talked a lot on the podcast about sports, but, but you got some real, you got some stuff with some substance there. And, you know, they cook every Thursday. Like, like, like that's some, some kids don't get home cooked meals. You know, I know how yep. much more and how much that met with uh, with Miss Chowhoop and your mom. And I'm like, man, I'm like, I can't start crying mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. podcast trying to be tough, Kelly <laughs> Butler. But I can say thank you to the moms because it leaves a lasting impression to say that as tough as it might be, there's still an opportunity that somebody sees what you can become and they nurture that. And I think that's kind of what you don't realize with the mental health is we'll we'll go to battle for our brothers because of the nurturing environment. You know, it, it makes it okay to be competitive and violent when you're loved off the field. And I think that's one of the things that you, you provide that support and structure. So your players are lucky. And I think reintroducing that back into Grand Rapids off the field will definitely do great things on the field. Right. All right. Well, and, and, and you and I grew up, you know, we grew up through that together and, you know, and, and watching you um, get to, like I said, play with my little brother and, <laughs> and seeing the success you guys had your junior year and some of the crazy shit you did your senior year and, and, and everything like that. And, you know, and, and, and yeah, it's, it, it's been fun. It's been fun watching you. I mean, you know, I, I know people that listen to you hear a little bit about, you know, um, some of the adversity you went through, but I know just by listening to some of your podcasts that I have, you haven't, you haven't said enough about the things you've done um, in terms of, you know, it's not only, yeah, you're, you're six foot eight that helps, but, um, and you're a big kid, but man, how hard you worked and how much, that the people that played with you, you know, I can't speak for Purdue and Detroit and, and all these other places you played, but I can speak at union, you know, and, and how much the people respect you and will go to battle for you. Um, not just because you're a good football player, but because you're a better person and, and a loyal person and, and you work hard for things like that. And, and, and that's what sports do, you know, I, I think. I, I appreciate that because it was, it was something that Coach Vanessa instilled in us, you know, and I think as, as leadership yep. and we look at our kids and saying, well, what's wrong with our kids? I'm like, well, what's wrong with our leaders? I was a yep. young, goofy kid that needed some discipline and some structure, and that community and union did it for me. And same thing where I was at at Saxon, it did it for me. So a lot of the times I say, if the structure is there, the kids will respond because the programs that were once inherited, because Union was not a great program. Coach Venison built it. Kennewa Hills was not a great program. He rebuilt it. He right. scaled it up. And it's like, well, when somebody leaves and it goes backwards, it's like, well, there's an opportunity to build it back up if it once was there. And I think yep. just reminding people, and I think when with, with me coming back and us working together, we can remind people of it's okay to move on and build Hudsonville to what it is, but it's also able to yep. say we can start building back things. And I think that is hard work and it's teamwork. And I think that was the biggest thing that I look at that the coolest thing that ever happened Then we'll get out of here was um, my year with the Detroit Lions. We had a uh, free football camp um, at Grand Rapids, and everybody was out there. You know, Coach Sparky McEwen was out there, uh, Turner Nande was out there, Ruben Riley was out there, Carlton uh, uh, Dave was out there, David Harris, like everybody that was a who's. And we had a free camp, and we had a seven on seven like tournament. It was, and then, and I think that's what showed me that we can all come together if it's for the right things and the right people. And I think those same people are still coaching around the community. So I'm excited to come back. I appreciate you being on the show. Is there anybody that you want to acknowledge your kids, your wife, uh, your staff before we get out of here? Um, and I look forward oh, to seeing yeah, you. Yeah. No, I, you know, and my staff at Hudsonville, the guys are awesome and, and, and they make our, they make our ship go. And, and then of course you, you can't do it without a, can't do it without a supportive team at home, you know, um, you know, with, with, with Brax and Brogan and Ryan, my three kids and my wife, Lisa, um, you know, she's the backbone behind it all. And I've heard you talk a lot about moms and, you know, and, and wives and, and there's no, there's no way I could do what I do without her and the support she's shown me. So I appreciate you letting me talk. Um, I, I love doing it. I love catching up with you just as a person and I love, 
you know, letting the audience hear about some of these things that are, that we're passionate about. And I love to, you know, get the ball rolling or continue the ball going from where you've gotten it. Um, and, and to keep making this, this world a little bit better place because of us. And, and, and let's get some buy-in here because you're the head coach. So uh, your team, your, your coaching staff, how many coaches you got on your, your, your varsity coaching staff? How many you got on there? Well, we we kind of all coach together. We got 16 guys on our staff all right, six, um, that six, work together. 16 guys. Um, all right, so 16 guys, because of you, they've taken Kansas City. Your 16 guys have taken Kansas City. Now, <laughs> now, now I have it taken – sounds good. We'll take it. We'll so, take so I've it. taken Tampa yep. Bay. So now your yep. 16 guys need to come up with, I don't know, three or four bucks to feed me when I come there. And then somehow <laughs> I'll put together my pennies to feed your 16 guys if Kansas City happens to win. I don't think that football has changed. You feed a man with a bet. Um, I just don't eat meat anymore. So like, you know, if it's fish or as long as it's not, as long as it's not meat related, I can eat some fish and some 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 beans and some chicken. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I don't eat chicken and fish anymore. I mean, I eat I, anyways, we'll figure it out. If you, you win, you let me know. You, we'll do it. We'll okay. do it. So, so the bet is this: if 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 Kansas City wins, you guys got lunch. Uh, yeah, I got lunch for you guys, and then if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win, um, I will be taking care of. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll make it make it sense and make it work. We'll I want to say, we'll take, take care of you. I want to say thank you, Coach. Uh, this is the push with KB. Um, I'm excited. I, I, I you're my guest, uh, the first guest this year, and you know I'm coming back home to try and work together, and we'll be talking and building up close to this. So, Coach, thank you so much, um, and I look forward to seeing you in, in, in like about a, in a few weeks or so thanks kb it's really been my pleasure thanks so much all right peace bye